Kia ora and welcome to the Stronger Dads Collective podcast, where we aim to help dads be stronger versions of themselves as fathers, people, and in their athletic pursuits. I'm your host, Hayden Pritchard, and you can find me at hjp underscore stronger dads on Instagram, and you can learn more about me and my coaching services at hjpmethod.co.nz. Before you finish listening today, be sure to rate and subscribe on the platform you're listening to. Right, let's get into today's episode. Kia ora and welcome to episode 31 of the Stronger Dads Collective podcast. Today we have a solo episode for it is just me today um, and what I'm going to kind of focus on today is a few different things. Um, there's just been a few thoughts floating around in my head and things that I've posted um, social media that I just kind of want to jump into and have a little bit of a um, caught it all around. But then also one of the other things that I'm looking at doing today is just covering a little bit of an article or giving a bit of a summary of a recent article um, that I had published on the Stronger by Science website. Um, and I did that with Dr. Pack. So we'll jump into that towards the tail end of the episode. Um, the other thing, or, or the thing that I'll start us with today, is a little bit about an update of my training, because I know it was about probably a month back now that I gave you a bit of an update um, with the debrief of the Wellington Half Marathon, where I ran 146, um, and sort of talked about how I'm going to build up over the next eight weeks towards the Hawke's Bay Half Marathon, which is now only about three or so weeks away. So it was about eight or, eight or nine weeks away when we first chatted. So we're about three, three and a half, four weeks out now. Um, and this week is probably the highest training volume um, that I will do of the, the training cycle. And then for the next few weeks, we'll be bringing that back down. But one of the other things um, that I didn't touch on in that episode that I thought might be worth trying and training is a little bit of nutritional strategies. So trying to, um, I guess, try to get some carbs on board to try and get some fluid on board um, so that I have, you know, that ability towards the end of the race. Because one of the things I was sort of thinking was, yes, there's probably a fair bit of um, training aspect to that um, in terms of me slowing down and sort of hitting that wall, I guess, towards towards the end of those half marathons. But the other thing that that could be is potentially, maybe not dehydration, but potentially a little bit of a um, depletion of the glycogen stores or the carbohydrate with that high intensity fuel. So, I've been toying around with that and uh, I've had the had the fortune I guess of having a few longer runs planned and a few pace type runs planned so I've been giving that a go I've tried some um, like fluid based carbohydrates and I've tried some gel based ones and I think I'm going to go with using some gels on the race day and the idea with that is that Um, If I was going with fluids, I'd have to have my bottle set up and stuff, but I can easily down a gel and just have some of the water that will be on course. So that's probably going to be my plan. Um, And I'll probably start that from about 40 or so minutes in and then maybe each, um, you know, 15, 20 minutes-ish when I come across one of those aid stations with water, I'll down um, another gel and probably get through about three three of those, I guess. So maybe around about 60 to 90 grams of carbs in over the course of the race. So that's one strategy I've been toying with. I've always had issues with taking on carbs during the race and kind of getting um, stomach cramps and things like that. But I found that I've managed to stomach that okay. We'll, we'll have to see how that goes with a little bit more pace um, on race day. But I'm starting to feel pretty settled about that. Like I can handle some fluid and carbs on board. And that maybe it was just really um, a lack of experience. So I've done that over a few different days. I did that on one of my um, key sessions, which was a 21 kilometer progression run, which was about three weeks back now. Um, and essentially that just built up over the course of the run to hitting just a little bit faster than race pace for the last 5k. And it felt really good. Um, the total session was about an hour 55. So, you know, 
not not obviously as fast as what I'm playing to on the day, but that's not the point. The point is to start, start slow and build to that. And that last 5Ks I did at Lactate Threshold, and the legs felt solid. The legs felt good. So that's a good sign. Um, that was one of the reasons we wanted those progression runs in, um, was to try and get that you know faster pace when the legs might be a little bit fatigued from, from what's gone on prior to that. So we've done that. Um, one of the other key sessions that we had um, last week, or I had last week, was a 10-kilometer tune-up, and that was essentially... Um, me going out and running you know doing a bit of a warm-up and then hitting a 10k um, at a pretty close to you know top top effort or you know a, a pretty solid effort that day and I went through that in about 47 minutes my best on a race day you know race competition uh, conditions everything like that um, is about a 46 so I was pretty happy with 47 because it's the fastest I've done on my own in training so I was pretty pleased with that um, the other session that I've had recently that was sort of of note was yesterday's one, which was a um, longest run that I'll do, was just a 23-kilometer endurance run. So essentially that's just running at a nice slow pace. And again, went pretty well, felt pretty solid. Um, at the start it was pretty pretty cold. It was a, a rainy, quite windy um, day in Palmy, but it did clear up and become a bit better um, as we went through that race. Um, so yeah, that was that was pretty good and everything went fine. And then tomorrow I've got um, a 13 kilometer session planned with a few three to five K um, efforts in there, uh, three to five K pace efforts in there, which is going to be nice because I just like running fast every now and again. So I like to keep a few of those sessions in and, and just let those legs or get those legs ticking over. So it's going to be a fun one. Um, that's a 13 K and there's going to be two times 1.2 kilometer plus one times 800 efforts within that so four 1.2k efforts and two 800 meter efforts all up at about three to five kilometer pace so that will be a fun session i'm looking forward to getting up nice and early um, for that which is one of those uh, fun things of the dad life is trying to fit this in and for me lately these mornings have been going really well they've been cold but they've been good i've been able to get out of bed i've been able to remember and remind myself that if you don't get up then you're not going to get a chance to do this today and that's been tending to work pretty well to get me out of bed um, along with having all the gear out on the bed and stuff you know ready to go so that it just takes away a little bit of that resistance and makes it really nice and easy um, to get up the puppy has also been helping with that um, because she needs to get out and go loo um, so it helps me to get up a little bit earlier because I know that you know I can get up and take her out and then that's going to stop her waking anyone up because she can go loo and then I can chuck her back in the crate and um, head off on my exercise so training's been going pretty well I'm, I'm fairly happy with it um, I've built up the kilometers as I mentioned um, prior to the Wellington half marathon I was kind of averaging around you know 40-ish kilometers um, when I look at like a four weekly average volume it was about 40-ish kilometers um, and over the course of these eight weeks we've built that up from about 40 k's per week um, as a four weekly average and we've had the last one two three four five six one two three four five the last five no six the last six weeks have been above 50 kilometer weeks which has been quite good so I built up to that and then we've just maintained around that you know between 55 and late 50s this will be the biggest week of the prep as I mentioned earlier um, and after that 13 kilometers tomorrow it'll be just over 60 k's and then the kilometers will start to come down so for anyone who's interested uh, <laughs> there may not be many of you but for those who are um, there's a little bit of an update on where my training's at and yeah we're about three weeks out so fingers crossed that that race in Hawke's Bay gets some good weather isn't too windy and um, allows me to kind of express some of this fitness which I, I really think you know quite positively that I, I have gained a little bit of fitness over this um, and I'm looking forward to sort of freshening up as we lead into that race. So the other thing I mentioned that I wanted to talk about within this was a couple of posts that I've sort of done recently or things that have been on my mind um, as I've been sort of I guess pondering life and just pondering things and 
I put up a post the other day that said it's okay for your goals to change. Embrace the seasons that you're in or the season that you're in. And this is one of those things that's become really true and relevant for me. Um, back probably, yeah, it would have been 10 years ago, I was probably at the peak of my focusing on powerlifting, you know, and I didn't have as many responsibilities outside of that. So I was able to really embrace that um, and push hard and spend a lot of time on that. And, you know, that was a good time. And I enjoyed that season. I embraced that season. And it's one of those ones that as you get a little bit older and your kind of priorities change um, or your goals even change, and that's due to other things, you know, potentially time availability, potentially things that you need to be doing. You know, you might need to be earning an income. You might need to be spending a bit more time at work, pushing a bit harder with that, whatever it is for you. Um, that may change your priorities slightly, which, you know, may end up changing the goals. And I sort of just put this post up because I wanted people to realize, and you know, you as a listener, I want you to realize as well, that it's okay and it's natural for your goals to change. And I think it's probably a good thing, you know, that your goals should change as you go through the different seasons of life because those seasons will dictate the time that you have available, um, which will be dictated by the priorities that you're setting in your life. So, you know, if you're a father or a parent out there, potentially that's going to have quite a big impact on your ability to fit in training or, or where you can fit in training. It might dictate how much training you can do. I know last week when we were talking um, to Blair Van Stiprian, he was talking a little bit about that, right? That there were certain periods of his life where he had more time available and that was where he did things like the Ironmans and those types of things. And then there's been other periods where he's had less time and he's done shorter stuff. Like I think it was the surf robo racing, I think is what it was called. Uh, correct me if I, sorry if I'm wrong on that one. Um, but essentially, you know, he's used those different seasons purposefully and intentionally to focus on different fitness and athletic goals. And I think that's something that as dads and as parents, we can really take a lesson from is that you don't have to always have the same goals. You don't always have to be chasing the same things. And if you said that to Hayden 10 years ago, he'd probably not really have any comprehension of that because I was so focused um, on the powerlifting and I was so focused on those goals. But now, 10 years later, here I am, a dad of one, another kid to come, got a young puppy. My priorities are different, you know, and thankfully my wife is really supportive and letting me or letting me, um, allowing me or, you know, making it possible for me to fit in training sessions by, you know, looking after Harvey during those times that I'm out and, you know, basically holding fort. Um, but when the second baby comes along, I think my goal is going to change again. As I mentioned, it's probably going to shift from something like a half marathon back to a 10K, um, that kind of thing. And, sort of the other thing I guess along that at the moment with this big focus on my um, half marathon I've had to sort of let my strength training go a little bit in terms of I'm still doing it regularly but I'm really not focusing on that you know my goals there are nothing to do with really gaining anything at the moment it's kind of maintaining and knowing that in three or four weeks time um, I'm going to be able to focus a bit more on that and push more so just don't lose too much in the interim and try and maintain as much as I have before I can start a bit more of a push on that because you know with these longer kilometers per week and I know 50 kilometers a week or 60 kilometers a week for some isn't much but for me that's a big amount you know and so it's a lot of time I'm committing to that and I know for many of you out there when you're trying to balance and juggle these things that may sound like heaps so everyone's in a different place everyone's chasing different goals that's the other thing with this respect um, what those goals are and you know you can't judge what someone else's goal might be in their season um, their goals might be quite different to yours and that doesn't make it right or wrong necessarily you know having a different athletic goal but it just is what it is so you know if people are out there chasing and trying to get better at whatever they're doing whether that be strength or whether that be cardio or whether that be whatever um, I think you know as long as they're being active I'm happy with that and let's embrace 
um, those goals and the seasons that different people are in or the phases different people are in because it will change for you um, whether you think right now that it will or not. Now on that there's another um, another thing I shared um, on Instagram from a guy called Adam um, and his handle is Physiconomics and if you look at my Instagram this was the one that I shared on um, Wednesday of this week um, or Tuesday I guess if you're from the US or, or that side of the world um, and he said the problem isn't your lack of progress the problem is a mismatch between your expectation of how quickly progress should happen and how quickly progress actually happens and his illustration is basically essentially looks like you know when you look at a train stop map and there's multiple stops or there's only one and the expectation one has basically two stops a start and a finish bang bang you know right next to each other and then reality has a bunch of them you know like five train stops along the way or five stops five steps on this line and it's five times or four times as long sorry so essentially what happens or why people I guess give up on things or, or stop chasing things isn't necessarily that they're not progressing it's that they don't feel like they're progressing fast enough because they thought that they would get to a point much much quicker and for me this is something that I think is probably even more prevalent these days because we see people online um, who are achieving whatever those goals are that we might be after and you know you can search for those things and you might be able to find multiple people with a 600 pound squat and you're sitting there squatting 180 or 200 you know and you think man I want to be at a 600 pound squat and the thing is that person may have been training for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it is, and you might have just started or started fairly recently. So you need to remember and place it into context that actually sometimes we expect to be able to get to these big audacious goals really, really quickly, when in reality, these things do take time. It takes dedicated commitment. It's not something that happens overnight. You have to keep pushing, working hard day after day, month after month, year after year, um, before you can hit some of these goals, whether they be performance, whether they be physique, um, whether they be changes in your abilities as a father or how you feel about yourself as a father. You have to keep working on those things every day. Just get a little bit better um, every single day. And there's another quote that I really like um, from, I think it's Jeff Cunningham, and I've probably mentioned this one before on the podcast. He mentioned on the BPN um, performance podcast, and what he said was, consistently good is better than occasionally great. Consistently good is better than occasionally great. And I think being consistently good, turning up, putting in hard work, day after day, month after month, year after year, um, that's what it takes, right? But we kind of expect that we're going to get there really, really quickly. And you have to put in the time, you have to put in the hours, you have to put in the effort, you know, for whatever that is, changing your character, changing your strength, changing your fitness, all of those different things. Um, it takes time, it takes effort, and you kind of have to just be willing to put in um, that time and those hours and also consider your expectations, you know, um, don't think that you're going to get there overnight and don't expect yourself to get there overnight. Realize that this is going to take time. Set long-term goals. Make sure that you're thinking, you know, in years, not just in months. Yes, have short-term goals that keep you on track, but make those realistic. You know, it's better to, uh, sometimes it's better to under-promise and over-deliver, you know, those sorts of things. So remember that, right? You don't have to think that you're going to, you know, put on 50, pound, uh, 50 kilos on your squat in six weeks. It's probably not going to happen, right? But if you think maybe you're going to put two and a half kilos or five kilos, you know, depending on where you're at in your training journey, that's probably possible. So don't, don't over, you know, don't expect too much of yourself because sometimes that's what's going to really draw you back when you don't hit those things and it's going to demotivate you in that. So 
consider what you're expecting with the results, how fast you're expecting those results, and then think about that from the people that you're, you're looking up to or you're chasing and think about how long they may have been doing the thing that you're after. Um, because it's probably a long time. Um, and remember, you are different to them. Your genetics are different. The way you make gains, the way you progress may be different. And you'll know more about you than anyone else. But try to keep those expectations in check. Try to keep them in the realm of reality and the realm of possibility. Yes, shoot for the stars and all that. But also um, make sure that you're being realistic so that when you don't hit the stars, you know that you're still happy with where you're at and you're, you're confident and you can keep on pushing to make that better and better and better. So anyway, that's enough of my <laughs> uh, motivational type speech, I guess, today. But um, just a couple of things that have been on my mind and a couple of pieces of content that um, I've sort of been pondering and thinking about. And so um, I hope you took something away from that. But um, yeah, it's it's kind of just where my brain's at at the moment. And I guess that's because you know my season in life has changed quite dramatically. I'm kind of trying to come to terms with what some of my goals are. Um, I'm trying to be realistic about my own expectations. And so these kind of things are are front of mind, right? Because when you're focused really hard and you've pushed really hard and you've achieved an elite level before um, and you're trying to do something different, you've kind of got to keep yourself in check and you've got to think about these things. And so for me, um, these are some of the things that come across my brain and and things that I think about. And I just wanted to kind of share um, those with you. Those two things were basically, you know, embrace the season you're in, have goals that are related to that. Um, And then also just be, be, realistic about your expectations Um, and remember that good things take time so be willing to put in the effort be willing to celebrate those small wins Um, and yeah that's that's kind of those two main things that have been on my brain from that sense today right Um, the last thing before I finish up for today um, being a solo episode it's always just a little bit shorter um, but I just wanted to share with you and, and direct you to a piece of content or an article that I've written for the strongerbyscience.com website, which is run by Greg Knuckles. Um, it's a really awesome website, and if you're into strength training, I highly recommend um, checking it out and following their content. And if you're into research and stuff, they do um, some emails with research reviews and that. So feel free, or I recommend, you know, jumping onto that and kind of just helps to keep you up to date with some of that stuff that's happening, some of the findings that are coming out, and also trying to keep um, you sort of thinking scientifically as well. He's a very good scientific communicator, and so I, I strongly recommend checking out that Stronger by Science website. Right. So, as I mentioned, this was an article I wrote with Dr. Pack, who we had on, I think it was episode 15. Um, if you look back on the podcast, you'll be able to find that. Um, and Dr. Pack is a guy that did a whole bunch of research around the minimum effective dose for strength training. So, not just the minimum dose to maintain or anything like that, but a minimum effective dose. And if you go back and listen to that, you'll be able to jump into all the detail on that. But I just wanted to give us a quick little summary and kind of give you an overview of what this episode, uh, what this article was about. And sort of, you know, if you're interested, you can then go and read the whole article. But I just wanted to sort of give you those Cliff Notes version um, today and direct you over to that website to check out that article from Dr. Pack and I. So the article was titled Effective Strength Training for the Time Poor. And... Um, the little sort of tagline said, it is, it is a given that at some stage in your training career, you will end up time poor. This article covers strategies for continuing to progress even when time is tight. And essentially that's what this article is about. It goes into um, a whole bunch of different um, areas, but essentially there's, you know, there's what's happening if you're taking a little bit of time away from training, what's happening or what, is, you know, what happens over those, you know, a couple of weeks off. And then what is detraining? How long does that kind of take? Um, and, and what sort of should I expect to lose if I do look at that detraining? 
and then looking at what can we do when you know we can't fit in what might be considered an optimal amount of training how can we still make progress during those times um, it then finishes with some other sort of key strategies about how you could be more efficient within a training session because sometimes you might be tight on time but actually the way you're training isn't efficient um, and how can we consider some of the ways that we could become more efficient within those training sessions so that kind of breaks down the different things that are focused on in this article so just to give you those cliff notes or the summary of that article the first thing that I mentioned was about taking short periods of time away from training. Um, I've written another article um, about this, which, um, hang on, let me just check what I titled um, that one. It was, I think it was called Don't Fear Rest, and that one's on the Weightlifting House website. If you want to check out that article, that's from a few years back, but Don't Fear Rest on the Weightlifting House website. To summarize that, basically, that indicates that for maximal strength, and all of this is in the context of maximal strength, right? And your goal might not be maximal strength, but um, for others it will be. And when they have these periods where they're tight on time, they will still want to be gaining or maintaining strength. Look at myself. <laughs> um, so when we think about these short durations of time completely away from training, so this is obviously a little bit different. This could be things like taking a holiday, you're going overseas, you've got a work trip planned, um, short family vacation, whatever it might be. But if you're taking up to a week off training, you've got to remember that it's it's highly unlikely that there's going to be any impact on your maximal strength. And if, if anything, I kind of think it you might even get some benefit from that because you're taking some forced time off, right? And some of us who enjoy training, we find it hard to take time off. So it can kind of be like a forced chance to rest and recover. Um, if, so in your brain, if you're going away and you've got a short vacation coming up, sure, you can try and get you know one session in while you're away for that week or whatever it is if you're a little bit um, you know nervous about that or if you just enjoy training. But you don't need to stress about trying to get your entire training schedule in there. right? If you've been training relatively hard before you go away, um, a week off isn't going to do anything really to, to get rid of or mitigate that strength that you've already got. right? So taking to, up to a week off training, unlikely to have any impact on your maximal strength um, and you can use that as a chance to rest and recover you, you don't have to worry essentially that you're going to become this weak um, scrawny thing by the time you come back a week later that's just not the case right there's just no merit to that even if we think in our heads irrationally um, that that will happen now one of the other um, well the next thing that we sort of talked about was detraining and once you start to take off sort of two three four weeks that's when we may start to lose some strength but even up to a month you're probably not losing a heck of a lot if you're still you know generally active moving around doing those sorts of things but in general I recommend that if you're taking more than a week off you kind of do want to do some training um, so you know if you're going on extended vacation two three four five whatever it is weeks if you're if you're that fortunate to be able to take that much time off um, yeah probably try and get a session in each week or something like that a full body session if you can um, that's relatively high intensity um, and just sort of hits that full body so that you can keep hold of those gains that you've got now when we have um, you know so if we're, if we're kind of looking outside of that short and long-term time off um, let's consider just when we have limited time and we're not going to be able to fit in as much training as we may have previously done so Oh, sorry. First, let's go maintaining, right? So when we're maintaining, if we think of it, some very low volume, you know, a few heavy singles or, you know, one to three repetitions. Um, 
and having or, or potentially just having really reduced training volume so like say 50 percent. if you normally do four work sets you might only do two if you normally do three you might only do one or two um, that can be effective to hold on to your strength for a couple of months right so sorry just thought i'd throw that bit in there that was one of our summary points on this um, that maintaining strength for that time you know you can have some heavy singles that's it or you can reduce your training volume you know if you're doing threes sets of three or sets of five you enjoy that sort of training just do a whole lot less sets you know one hard set almost would probably be enough to get you through um, a couple of months if you're doing that every week or two so there we go that's a summary again recommend reading the article for the full full detail around that stuff though right this is only a podcast um, so do be sure to go check out some of those original sources and check out the article as well for a bit more detail now if we're thinking of longer term um, we've got less time available to train and what would be sort of an effective dose um, of training for that so basically what we're looking at there is if you did a handful of working sets of sort of one to five repetitions depending on your preference you know some people may enjoy singles more they may want to do singles for this type of training some people may enjoy doing fives more so they may want to do fives some people might like fours threes whatever it is or if you want to mix it up from week to week um if you basically do a handful of working sets across a working week, you know, so sorry, across a week of training using RPEs that range from about a seven and a half to a nine and a half, so we're thinking a pretty hard effort, um, that should be sufficient, right? That should be sufficient. So if it's the big three, squat, bench press, deadlift, um, the studies themselves actually benched three times per week, squatted twice per week, and um, deadlifted once per week. Um, and there was a, you know, one of those studies was just using singles. Um, at a you know fairly high RPE near near failure sort of a nine nine and a half RPE and that was enough to actually make improvements over the course of a training block so you don't need to do a heck of a lot right but if singles aren't for you then hey do threes do fives and as I mentioned you know that could be one once a week for deads twice a week for um, squats and three times a week for deadlift if you're following what uh, three times a week sorry for bench press if you're following what they did in some of those studies but that doesn't mean it has to be that way right you could do um, one squat session two deadlift sessions two bench sessions whatever it is you know it doesn't really matter but basically try and get um, a handful of working sets across the week on some of those big major compound lifts now the other thing as well with that right is the studies might have done that one set and maybe some back offs obviously doing a little bit more is generally going to be a little bit more effective but you have to work with what you've got so if you can only get the one set in you can only be in the gym for sort of 20-30 minutes get that set or two in or that set on one exercise and then the other and get out of there right if time allows sure add some drop back sets sure add a little bit of accessory work you kind of got to do what works for you with the time that you've got available in that season of life that you're currently in so that's the minimum effective dose stuff again I encourage you to go and read the actual article that we wrote um, because there's a bit more detail in there and it also links out to some of those research articles that Dr. Pack did uh, wrote and and studies he conducted which were you know good quality and worth worth going and checking out finally um, the last piece that I wanted to mention in here was thinking about your training efficiency right so sometimes people won't have a lot of time available but they actually also want train in a very effective manner so some of the things that you can think about with that is keeping your warm-ups really specific um, and really you know targeted to what you are trying to do so keep them brief keep them specific so for me this looks like you know a set or two with an empty barbell doing fairly high repetitions having a really short break in between those and then progressively adding weight and reducing those reps you know so for something like a bench press I might do a couple of sets of 15 or 20 at an empty barbell then I might go to 60 and do say a set of eight I might go up to 80 and do a set of five 100 for a set of two um, this is me building up to a, a single I might go 112 for one 
and then finish with you know 120 for that single or something like that and that might be what I do for the bench before some drop backs um, but that's how I'd consider you know a nice efficient warm-up is it's specific to the lifts you're having um, higher reps with the lighter weights and then you're progressively reducing that so that you're getting that blood flow with the light weights getting into that movement and then progressively warming it up sure you can do a longer warm-up if you like if there's any problem areas or niggle areas that kind of need a little bit of extra work hey I'm not going to tell you not to do that but if you're trying to be efficient keep it focused keep it to the point get the work in um, and then you can get that sort of nice high effort working set and be warm and prepared for that if you've done those um, warm-up sets prior. Um, the other thing that you can kind of do is think about timing rest periods. So if you're wanting to get um, three or four sets in, you know, and you're, work, you're resting five minutes between each set, and that's four sets, each of those ones in between, right, five, 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 yeah, five, 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 right, because you got the one, and then each of those sets afterwards. Um, that might be 15 minutes of time sitting around doing nothing, right? If you can take those rests down to three minutes, you know, or two minutes, whatever it might be, um, that's going to save you a lot of time because you might go now from doing nothing for 15 minutes to doing nothing for six minutes, right? So that gives you more time to get in more sets. Okay, you would need to get used to that. You wouldn't drop from five-minute rest to two-minute rest in one foul swoop, right? And if you did, you'd need to reduce the intensity that you're working at. But you could build up that fitness over time and slowly reduce those working sets that you're prepared and ready to lift heavy again, um, or lift at a you know a hard effort again. So consider that, right? So the first one there was specific short warm-up, time your rest periods. The next thing I think there is um, choose bang for your buck exercises. You know, most of you out there, if you're listening to this podcast, um, there's a lot of people that are strength athletes. So powerlifting movements, weightlifting movements, um, the big three, squat, bench, dead, rows, pull-ups, those sorts of things, those bang for your buck exercises. Um, choose those as the predominant ones because they work multiple muscle groups across multiple joints. Um, they're going to be sort of the key um, exercises that you could incorporate in these short, sharp sessions where you're trying to get you know as much work in a, in a short or brief period of time that you have available. The last thing there is incorporating supersets or circuits. Um, I often find that doing the big bang for buck exercise with the longer rest periods, doing that first, and then sort of trying to get most of my accessory or other work in sort of as a superset. You know, if it's if I was looking at doing something um, that you know had sort of some chest, some shoulders, and some triceps in it, I might do bench press as my first exercise of the day, and then I might actually just jump straight into sort of a giant set where I do some dumbbell flies followed by some dumbbell side raises, and then finishing with some tricep pushdowns or something like that. You know, where I'm hitting all of the other all of those muscle groups again, um, but I'm able to get through that with just bang, 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 then rest, bang, 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 then rest, and that's kind of how that superset or giant set um, works. So that is the summary of that article um, of training, uh, effective strength training for the time poor. Again, that's just a sort of um, high level overview of what that says. There's a bit of information in there, um, but I do encourage you to go and check out that article. Um, it's not too long, uh, but there is a bit of content in there. And as I said, you can find some of those original research articles if that is your thing. Um, otherwise, yeah, I hope that you've enjoyed learning a little bit about where I'm at with my training, um, some of the things that are going on in my brain at the moment in terms of what I'm thinking and that content that um, I've been sharing or popping up onto Instagram. Um, so yeah, that's all we have for you today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Stronger Dads Collective podcast. If you found anything within this episode valuable, please be sure to share it with someone else who you think might benefit from its content. Don't forget to give the podcast a rating on whatever platform you're listening to. If you want to follow along with what I'm up to, you can follow me on Instagram at hjp underscore stronger dads. If you're interested in any of my coaching services or learning more about me, 
just head to hjpmethod.co.nz. That's hjpmethod.co.nz. Right, we'll see you on the next one.